But you could call me the can man, because anybody can get it. Unbelievable! Dana! 60 G's, baby! <laughs> Play clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler! Hello and welcome to episode 77 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, today I'm joined by Tom Kennett, just another two-man mission for us today. Alex said he needs to rest after training or he's got work or... I did say uh, last week, I think it was, that he was nice enough to find time for the little people, but it appears that that time is running out. One win's gone to his head. I did see a Team Passion Fit van on the way here, actually, I meant to say. I wonder if he <laughs> might, be, might be delivering us a little Alex Jones. Well, it's actually to the point where I texted him uh, yesterday, yeah, yesterday, to ask if he was coming on. And at first, he asked me to get in touch with his with his rep. <laughs> and after I refused to do that, he eventually did say, "I think I'm a bit busy this weekend, mate." So, uh, not able to. I assume that van was full of Jiffy bags, but I don't know. <laughs> so you've uh, bank holiday for us today. I think it's the equivalent of that in America next weekend. So it's all right for them. You've actually gone into work today and still found time for the podcast. Putting a day's graft, Jones could learn a thing or two. How many were there in the office? Just you? Um, by the end, it was just me. Yeah, it was quick head count, literally across the floor. Five people, I think. So you've outworked the competition? Worked till, I don't know, I needed an inspirational Instagram post there, <laughs> but I, didn't, I don't have one. I should have taken a picture on my way into work and said the grind never stops or something. You should hustling. have, and you've been travelling as much as Alex recently, so... Hashtag hustling. Exactly. Alright, so, we've got a multitude of sports to get into this week. I'd say it's mainly football. UFC has got this first card for three weeks. Boxing has been is picking back up slowly. We've got a big month coming up for boxing. Yeah. We've, well, we've got uh, NFL waiting. coming back, we've got the NBA coming back, yep. we've got the NHL coming back, and we've got, as they call, the new boxing season, although I don't like it when when they say that. Well, especially as there are fights in August, when the, yeah. the break, inverted commas, <laughs> is supposed to be. So, But anyway, we'll get into the football first, and then uh, we'll see how it goes. We're waiting for uh, Spurs against United to start, so any reactions there? I'm not really sure who I want to win. Like I think deep down I do want United to. I think I want United to win. But yeah. a Jose meltdown is always good. So I feel like if Tottenham did a job on them, it might be beginning of the end for Jose. And I don't want this to end. No. So like on uh, the to win. on the ESPN website, I'm going to quote one of their writers later. It's inspired one of our topics, but <laughs> they have said this is the most important game of Jose's career. So I think we're going a bit overboard. Jesus <laughs> Christ. He's played in Champions League finals. He's, <laughs> he's won titles, but is it, is it home or away? Home. Home. So home to Spurs Passes is the most man. important game of his career. Although I feel like he might prefer playing away at the moment because there's yeah. less pressure and yeah, absolutely. he can get away with his tactics a bit more. 
But so we're on Sky this evening. BT Sport on Saturday. They they've produced some quite good pieces over the last season or so with their football tonight. There was yeah. a, there was a good piece with I think it was Gerard talking about how the England players couldn't play together. They had one yeah. with Ferdinand. They've had Lampard. So. This was a good one with Owen, and interesting. I think you said interest isn't usually what describes Michael, Michael Owen, Owen but, yeah. <laughs> but this was so. So basically, uh, to kind of uh, preview it, so uh, former Liverpool and Real Madrid striker Michael Owen has revealed that he couldn't wait to retire during the final few years of his career due to his ever mounting injury concerns. Is the headline? Um. Not a flattering one, that. <laughs> no, to go with some of the quotes, I mean, he, he essentially was saying he he played a lot at a young age and never really recovered from there. bit deeper into it, he said that uh, he had his first hamstring tear and he was just basically never the same player from there onwards. He said that I went from someone who scored goals, beat players, was quick, ran in channels and crossed the balls. Uh, and then he had to change his game from there onwards. Yeah. Which is very honest from the player himself. I don't think it's something a lot of people didn't know. No. You know, some of the outrage has kind of come from it because it's been, let's face it, has split opinions. His well, thing does Yeah, it? I think I'm on actually on a, I think I might be on a different side of it to you. Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. But, but my, my thing is like, and there shouldn't really be, but there is such a thing as being too honest. Yeah, yeah, this, I think this probably fell into that category, and didn't it? My thing wasn't. I mean, we'll get on to it, so I won't go too into it just yet. So if I go kind of further down the comments, so um, the other comments he made were um, the last six or seven years of my career, I just turned to the only thing I could. I was petrified of running into a channel. I just knew I was going to tear a muscle. The worst thing about it all, your instinct says what you've always done. I was bred to be a footballer. But the worst thing about that is you get into a rut whereby you don't even put yourself into a position where you're able to run. So you actually then go and stand in areas where you shouldn't even be. Uh, you've lost everything. All I wanted at the end of my career for six or seven years, I hated it. I couldn't wait to retire at the back end of my career because it wasn't me. That's the bit that... That's the bit it gets people, isn't it? Yeah, I can understand that. Uh, Shearer was... Added him, didn't he? Yeah, and... I feel like I don't know. Like there may be a story about this that someone might be able to tell me, but I feel like they've never seen eye to eye even when they were at Newcastle together. I mean, it seemed like a working relationship rather than yeah. like kind of like what's come out about uh, Durant and Westbrook since, where they were like, "Look, we're both good players. We played well together, but we never really saw each other like that." Well, there was a I think doing the rounds off the back of Owen's um, comments that. In it was a Newcastle physio's autobiography at the time. They had two games left to play in that relegation fighting campaign where Shearer was obviously caretaker manager, wasn't he? Yeah. Um, and they said to Owen, like, can you play? And he said, look, the groin doesn't feel too good. I feel like it might go. And they said, look, we'll do all the scans and stuff. And they did the scans and nothing showed up. So the physio said to him, oh, well, now the clan, now the scans have shown there's absolutely nothing wrong. You're right to play. And Owen was still a bit like, oh, I'm not sure. And then the sort of physio had it out of him a bit there. And Owen was like, well, I don't want to speak to you. I'll speak to the manager, that being Shear at the time. Yeah. And the physio was like, you're speaking to him now. This is coming from directly from Alan. <laughs> and then so kind of indicating a bit of beef there anyway. And obviously ended up getting relegated and Shearer yeah. obviously got the, as ever since had the stick of you got your club relegated, hasn't he? So I can imagine there's quite a bit of, bit of needle there. 
Well, the thing the thing with that is it, it's the same as what happened with Kawhi Leonard with the Spurs this year. It's a bit different with that in that he had his contract retiring the next year and essentially he was going to lose about 70 million if he's injured because no one's going to want to pick him up whereas if he's fit yeah. for free agency. But with the Owen thing, I guess it's like you do know your own body best, but most footballers would relish the chance to be a hero and maybe... My thing about it is, and it makes sense when he said like he could just couldn't wait to retire. And I don't know at what point the Newcastle spell and whether it comes into that, that time comes period. Into it, yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Then, he went it? there in two thousand and five because it is kind of like you're just there picking up a paycheck and. Yeah. I mean, you you can look at me when when I say this, but there is kind of if you're getting paid, you should be doing the work when you're there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he is doing the work. But he's if not, not, not if he's not playing. Like, no, no, true. But he's still they got a decent amount of games out of him while he was. But there. I can't imagine the, either that he was particularly lowballed in terms of pay coming from Madrid. I imagine no. that. Well, the whole thing was that Liverpool wouldn't pay what they wanted to get him back. So Newcastle coughed up. There the was yeah, there was another um, article which I didn't have a chance to read before he came on here, but it was him, and I imagine he's spoken to someone else, and he essentially said that. He'd put himself in a position. He'd done everything he could to get back to Liverpool because that was the place that he yeah, loved, yeah. and they didn't take him. So I imagine then he's kind of like, "I wish I was at Liverpool. My body's breaking down on me. I'm down about that enough." Already, he didn't want to be there. Yeah, yeah. I don't really fancy getting out there. <laughs> no, the and I don't know if this is a quote from him that in that same little paragraph in the book was that he had supposedly then said to the physio or whatever that, um, you know, we're if we go down at the end of the season, I don't know if you can't remember if he said relegated, but he's like, look, if I'm going to be leaving in the summer, who's going to want me if I get injured? And the guy said, like, you've got another year left on your contract, here. And he's like, well, I'm not going to play for a championship team. So, he does He does seem like that kind of guy. Like, we were, we were speaking last week about um, kind of players and uh, that you feel you could kind of approach. Yeah. And he, he, for me, is a weird one because he doesn't seem like a nasty bloke, but at the same time, he doesn't seem very approachable in no. the sense that no. I think as much as he wouldn't be rude to you, I think you'd very much get the sense that, like, he I really, really don't want to, want do to be talking yeah. to you right now. And I don't know if he felt above the players there at Newcastle, but... Maybe. No one seems to speak that positively of him. But I suppose they do say it's kind of like a selfish career in that. Yeah, and but I don't know. He he's never someone that has had like well publicized issues, so I can't imagine no. he's desperately needed the money. No, and I'm sure he made plenty of money before then. Bearing in mind, broke onto the scene as an 18 year old, had yeah. all sorts of sponsorship, been Liverpool and Madrid. But yeah, people who kind of said, I get why. If you, say if you're a Newcastle fan, for example, or I guess United are in a Stoke fan as well, but particularly with Newcastle. Um, I can I can get why you'd be upset, and but from his point of view, I don't really see what else he was supposed to do, in terms of what are you saying? You've either got two choices: you would sell clubs. I'm not as good as I used to be. That's or do you then retire? That's kind. That's kind of my thing. At which point he'd be twenty five, twenty six. In his shoes, I can't say I'd have done anything differently. I don't think anyone would, if they're honest but as well. Looking in, and we're not in that position, so it's kind of like. I'm trying to think of like a comparison, but 
So his career was 17 years long. And if he's saying the final seven years, that's just mm-hmm. under half his career. He's saying, like, I didn't want to be playing football. Yeah. And I know injuries are kind of a thing about it, but I'm trying to think of some, some of the players that I've seen in my time, their injury ravaged and just at Arsenal. So Thomas Rizicki is one. <laughs> and he was one where, and I'm not for one saying Arsenal are in the same position as Newcastle. But if there was even the slightest chance, whether he's at 70%, 10%, that they say, all right, you can get on here for 10 minutes. Like He was that desperate to play that he would have come yeah. on. And even he's had contracts expiring, like coming to an end, and the same with Santi Cazorla and that kind of thing. So I don't know if literally the injuries have run him down that much that he literally just didn't enjoy playing football anymore. Well, that's it. And I know we, we've kind of gone to it a little bit, but we... We're only picking up on that little story of him not playing those games. In general, he was talking about he was playing, and he, they they did get a decent amount of games out. Of yeah, him. yeah. It was just that he would. You're going to say adapted his game, but kind of been forced to adapt his game. I thought it was really interesting to hear someone say it actually because the amount of players I've watched who I thought have done exactly that. There have been so many players watching yeah. that thinking he's literally summed up what I've done. Look at the most clear example I was thinking as I was watching. I was like, that's Sturridge. That is Sturridge down. Sturridge must be watching that, thinking, "Yeah, that's me." He, he seems to have found it a bit more now. Now though, but he's he's adjusted, but, but he's still at Liverpool, and he's still. Let's see what happens if we get an injury crisis. He has to play regularly and has to play in the Klopp start. See and what happens. He's not one that's adapted his game either, so he's not someone who's going to be able to dawdle around the six-yard box and Sturridge. Yeah, like his game. I mean, uh, from what I gather, his game is based around his attributes of being fast, being powerful, being like direct. It's mm. not someone who is one of those like born born in the box, ready to like tap in from six yards or whatever. Yeah, but yeah, the thing the thing of him is he is a classic case of what Ohm was saying where you're so I've seen him not really want to sprint think and he, I understand why you must be thinking you're probably gonna get injured. But he's also one of those ones where it's to the point where he doesn't want to get in those positions anymore and he's not showing for it. And he'll still pick up a certain amount of goals because we're in the second team and because he obviously is still a player of a certain level. But I thought he was a a walking example of what Owen was talking about. I thought he was like a, a perfect sort of yeah, replica. He, he doesn't seem like the type, though, that he's had like a gang of people in behind him going, you're so good, you're so good. And it's just... Owen we're talking about. Yeah, that yeah. he's then just gone, you know what, I don't really need this. It seemed like it is genuine in the fact that the injuries have done it, but... It's kind of the fact of you've got all this money. There is more you can do with yourself than to be staying there picking up money on the based on the fact that like mm. on my glowing like the thing like with Ronaldo is he can he may be able he's going to be able to do the same thing. Someone of Owen's caliber like Stoke if if they're someone saying to them look you can get Michael Owen then yeah. no matter whether he's being wheeled in in a wheelchair they're still going <laughs> to go they're still going to yeah. jump all over it. The, but, the thing people overlook is as well as much as he did have to adjust again wasn't as good as he once was his goal scoring record is still quite good I think he averaged a goal one in three for Newcastle I think he had like 30 goals in like 90 appearances roughly yeah the thing is with United so the thing their fans don't have any issue with him is that no. he was never brought in to be the guy that was going to start and say and win them the title or anything no. like that he was kind of that's his role and if he was doing things like that, then I maybe wouldn't have such an issue with it. It's the fact that 
some of these clubs are literally bringing him in on the basis of like you could be the difference between whether we stay up, whether we go down, whether we qualify for Europe, whether we don't, that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, at the time, Newcastle was supposed to be kind of in and around the European spots, and at least, weren't they? And obviously ended up going down, and there was all that stuff. Once they've got him in, I think it is Newcastle's duty to then do right by him in the fact that if you're... We're putting the money into you. If you're not fit, then we're going to get you back to fitness. But then once they've done their bit, then it's kind of like, all right, now it's time to do your bit. Because on top of his wages, they then do have to pay more to put him through treatments and that. And he has just basically kind of been a victim of the times in that you see players now who are going to be playing maybe just as many games, but you have the recovery and things like that around. So he is maybe a victim of the times And he said about the surgery, didn't he? About how they didn't do hamstring surgery on him, so his hamstring was basically fucked after that. Yeah. Yeah, that sounded horrible, that dude. He said basically had like two in his one and like three in his early. The, um... The only thing I will say as well, and people are normally quite quick to kind of paint the player as the villain and the club as, you know, kind of the ones that have been done over. Clubs do know what they're getting into with players. Like, yeah. They didn't sign Michael Owen and he had never had an injury before. <laughs> he, he was known for this by then. He'd already, they'd already started having some hamstring injuries. So this kind of idea that they they've kind of been almost swindled or hustled, and that he's just stealing money off them is a bit. No, I think some of it is that with football, the player and club power is kind of split fifty fifty. Whereas in say America, where the teams we're we're just going to trade you away now just for the yeah. sake of it, they can't do that. So in the fact that he is there and he is there to stay, it's kind of like they're investing in you as much as you're investing in them. So, but I mean, we're never going to know if he was fine and he was basically just saying, look, I don't really fancy going out there and playing. I don't know what the two games were, but I can't imagine it was going to be a pleasant, a pleasant tie for him to be involved in, especially when... Two big relegation games, so... And all the pressure is on his shoulders, because as soon as he plays, it's like, look, Michael Owen is the guy that is going to save us. Yeah, of course, the goal is to keep us up, yeah. in In another thing, maybe if you do love football in that sense, then you've got the chance to go out there and be a hero. Yeah. I don't know what Luke Shaw was just snorting there. <laughs> he coming onto the pitch. I assumed you were looking at the same, yeah. at the, <laughs> the same thing I was. Maybe that's how he's shifting the weight. <laughs> he's got on the Charlotte Crosby diet. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, to be fair. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Shearer was said, not sure Newcastle fans, teammates or employers will want to thank him. But... Owen, like you said, you can look through his career. So he's won the Premier League with United in 2011. And this is your only return. So he got relegated with Newcastle, won the league with United and retired in 2013 following a brief spell with Stoke. And at least in that, it seems like he did kind of say, he says he said to Stoke, like, I'm, I am I, don't want to... I'm done here, yeah. Yeah, I'm done. So maybe it's a case of like, it's taken him time to accept it fully. And he's kind of thinking... If I have this break, I'm going to come back as like a new man. Like we see it with, say, like Roy Jones Jr. and it sometimes is a hard thing to let go of. I think when you you were that good before, I think it's very hard to accept you're not what you used to be. I think there's probably an element of him that was just constantly trying to get it back without maybe realizing it was never going to come back. Uh, just a refusal to accept it was probably 
largely responsible for why he carried on as well. But also, he was so good at one point. Yeah. Even if he has lost a bit, he's still a Premier League striker, isn't he? At that point, what? the the one that was at Newcastle, he's not peak Michael Owen, but it's still a good Premier League yeah. striker. I've I've said on here about a thousand times. Like my first footballing memory is him ruining. He could have potentially put me off football. The FA Cup good. final. <laughs> the FA Cup final. He's come. He's scored two to win win the cup from out of nowhere. Arsenal. So that. I think that's the thing, maybe, is what it's kind of like a mixture of both our feelings, but I think it comes down to he was so good at one point, and so maybe you do just lose the the fight to get over yeah. the injuries once you've accomplished it, because a lot of the players who are suffering with injuries haven't accomplished the things they have, but do you think maybe you see this with Vincent Company, and, and that's only, I've literally just come in my head, and on this uh, city documentary, they're saying on there like, company is fit, like he is, he's fit, he's good to go. But he's telling them that he's not quite ready. They're obviously in a far more luxurious position to be able to stick around Just get for away him. With that, yeah. But you do see like a little uh, engagement like that between uh, the staff where they're saying, look, he he is ready. Yeah, I think you'd probably be surprised if you went behind closed doors at a lot of clubs I think you'd have players saying look I ain't really and the staff saying yeah you are you can do it that's the issue it's not a rumour is it it's literally he's come out and said it and I mean in one side all respect for doing it but on the other side you kind of like feeling like his advisor like why would you yeah. say it? it yeah it's brilliant for I think football fans to get access like that especially at a top level player not like a lower level player saying this I do think yeah another good one for BT where they've had um, a star on there that's kind of giving yeah. some honest thoughts do you think some of it is like the fact that he's so like unhuman a lot of the time that we don't really know what he's like and so he's come out and basically given us this, which the majority of it you take it in a negative way and it's not like you can balance it out with anything else because you don't really know him. Yeah, so, that's true. So you're basically just getting the negative side of him. Like There's no scales to balance it up on. If there is, it's all negative with... But he was a good player. Like if you, your memories of him, like with with company, say, with City, they have memories of him being a great player and also like a great bloke. Like he seems like, yeah. And so, you may be prepared to put up with some things that he can come out with because of what a great bloke he seems like. <laughs> um, and then on the other side, then Owen, you don't really know anything about him, but now you've got. Essentially, you'd say maybe confirmation of that story that you said was in the autobiography. Like, yeah, you just didn't fancy it, and so Newcastle fans are going to hold that with them. And football fans aren't a, f- aren't a forgetful bunch. Newcastle fans aren't. They fucking they always need something to protest. That Mike Ashley is going to get blamed for this. <laughs> he knew what was happening. He didn't want. He didn't want to fund. He didn't want to fund Mike Ashley's pockets. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean. Going off him not wanting to play, this actually leads on to another story. So, the next one, if we go to like a reference DSPN, so Mark Ogden of ESPN.co.uk wrote on Sunday Meza Ertzel did Unai Emery a favour by calling sick for Arsenal's 3 1 victory against West Ham at the weekend because he gave the manager and everyone else at the Emirates a glimpse into what life without him can look like. <laughs> so, essentially, Savage. the question here is. Are Arsenal better off without Mesut Özil? Because there were there was 
more and more people like Arsenal fans who have just come out and gone, you know what, we might actually be better off without him. Because, I mean, uh, this is now the seventh time since he's been at Arsenal that he's phoned in sick for a game. That's bad. And it's like a cold, so... I mean, his game, he's not as lazy as people say he is. Like, the amount he runs on the pitch, but it's often he'll run up to a challenge to be in the position, but not actually then yeah, put in exactly. the hard graph yeah. to make the, to win the ball. But with a cold, I mean, there's oh, enough. There's enough about nowadays that you can play a game with a cold. But ultimately, if you really, really want to, and you really have to, you and can play, can't you? I know our game now is going to the direction of being a pressing team. That's the way Emery wants to go. We're going to have the majority of the ball against West Ham. He could have known yeah. that before the game. Exactly. Home He's not Ham. going to be sprinting about having to charge people down and. On the one side, then I mean, if if the club know that you're ill, then you've got maybe that in your back pocket, and you can say, "Look, I mean, I was putting a hard graft, and I'm I'm there to show up for my teammates." And you can get taken off after they can go, "Look, he was ill. He did what he could." Or if you stick a certain amount on West Ham, which you could well do, you can get whipped off from with, the hour with a new with a new manager. I mean, you should want to be making every point you can to say, "Look, I'm your guy." A player like Oza should be licking his lips. Did you see West Ham against Liverpool first game? I he, he should have been licking his lips. In in the back of my head, going down to the game, I kind of thought this is what we're going to do. I was like, our attacking makes up for itself. They can't defend. Yeah, you and going forward, they're okay, but they're not. Yeah, I thought you could give them a high as well, to be honest. And early doors, we had quite a few chances, but then as soon as you don't take them, you're like, look, I know what's coming here. <laughs> they go one nil up, and Urza must have been sat at home thinking, I'm getting the blame for this either way. <laughs> and it's actually gone the opposite way and gone look Arsenal won they didn't play well and they still won without him Ramsey played in the 10 position which I'm not sure is his best position I think he's more of kind of like an 8 like a Lampard is the guy he gets deep. compared to yeah. yeah where he has that Lampard-esque kind of ability of being in the right place at the right time timing and stuff like yeah. he had a goal scored that was offside where he's just happened to break through the deflections come out to his head and it happens to have been offside but that he is that kind of player he's very good at that yeah and he's playing for a contract so that's the worst guy you want in your position and considering he had Ramsey on the bench the week before against Chelsea and I don't feel like Emery was someone who needed an excuse to drop Ozil either. The way he's talked, I feel no. I feel like he was maybe looking for an opportunity like this, and he's just literally gifted him one. Yeah. And now you, he can legitimately could say to Ozil, "Well, look, you're not playing next game. We won that game. We look good enough." Yeah. Well, he's Arsenal's highest paid player, which I mean, not surprising. He, I guess we said with the Owen thing then, like you're not going to turn down the money if it, if it's there, but you do kind of have a necessity to then earn your keep and and if we were giving Owen's pass of the injury thing well what's Ozil's because he doesn't have yeah. a huge injury record or anything like no. that it's... no it, he really doesn't like he, anything he's out for is kind of like a, a strain or an illness and I've said this before but they do seem to come after yeah, he's had yeah. a bad game it does seem to be a bad was... game ill small injury don't fancy it well it happened last Christmas when we had uh, three games in nine days and he happened to be ill for that nine days (laughs) and it was away at Preston North End it was at home to Palace where Giroud got uh, the scorpion kick 
and he was against some and someone else. It was someone like West Ham, where he's just thought, you know what, before he finds it a Christmas break. Yeah, like uh, Neymar who always has his sister's birthday off work. Yeah, seventh time in a year. Some Lannister shit there. <laughs> um, I mean, if it really is he's ill, then it's something the club needs to investigate. <laughs> that, like, on a serious thing, like if you're physical being is that you're getting ill this much there is something wrong with you <laughs> yeah as a top level athlete as well and even in that sense if you're going to be ill this much then the club know they can't rely on you and they need to plan for life without you because they never know that they can actually rely on you to be there no um i mean this is three even when he does turn up he doesn't always turn no up. this is like three premier league games into Emery's reign and He's already made it pretty clear, as you said, that he's not going to indulge Ozil quite as blindly as Wenger did. No. Like, with Wenger seemed prepared to kind of spare him from the overly defensive duties on the basis that he's going to deliver in the attacking third, which his record is, like, second to none in terms of providing, but that's all well and good. You, you've got to offer more. There's no room for a passenger. And you couldn't say in a lot of these games that Okay, he has slapped a bit defensively, but thank God he's delivered us attacking wise there. He's got us through the, too many of those games he's got missing. Well, yeah, and the he's down- not someone you can say, right, he will deliver us. He might deliver us, kind of. And your- the downside of that approach has been that you're essentially playing with 10 men because one guy isn't picking up the slack. And if you are, we've said it countless times, haven't we? But if you are going to go with the pressing game like Emery's going with, then it's all in. Well, yeah, like, everyone's in or you're not. The defining image of kind of Wenger's like, end at the club was Ertzil somewhere near the halfway line with his hands on his hips and his head bowed. Oh, God, yeah. <clears throat> and that's there. I mean, the, this this right, so Ertzil was afforded too many allowances by Wenger. He was treated like a teenager who was allowed to lie in bed all day while his siblings were expected to clean the house. Emery's arrived and made it clear that nobody will be given special treatment and everyone's expected to pull their weight. So now Emery can move forward, safe in the knowledge that he's given Ertzil the chance to get on board with his new approach. Ball's back in Ozil's court now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, he made him one of his supposed five captains. <laughs> five? <laughs> yeah, he said he has five captains until he knows. He said he expects yeah. to have like a leader at the top, leader in midfield, leader in defence, but Koscielny is the actual captain. Yeah. Captain, yeah. Um, well, Because another thing is, like, Arsenal can beat these teams outside the top six without Ozil. Yeah, definitely. He's not the be-all and end-all. And then... The way that Emery seems to want to play, you can't afford to have a passenger in those games. In so, those big games. So you're not going to play him there. I mean, even like, isolated Mikitarian, and he wasn't great at tracking back. Like, he left Bellerin exposed of all people. <laughs> yeah. But you can see that he's clearly buying into Emery's kind of uh, mentality in that yeah. look. If I'm going to be here, then I'm going to have to work for it because. We've already seen, like, he's not like uh, Wenger who would wait until 70 minutes every single game. Like, for against Chelsea, he took he took uh, Ertzil off and he took Xhaka off when he was clear neither of them performing. Gwendouzi in the in the West Ham game had a good enough game, but we couldn't really afford to have someone who was giving the ball away maybe as much as he was. So yeah. he hooked him off at half time. Look, you've done well enough. We're going to switch it up now. Took him off and. He he's been like ruthless enough. Saturday he took Aubameyang off and put Welbeck on. Yeah, you said Aubameyang wasn't good. Either. No, he wasn't. He wasn't. But I think the thing with him is, 
we dropped Lacazette last season when he wasn't finding the net as much as Wenger wanted, and that was the worst thing that could have happened. Yeah, his head went. And so with this, I think keep going with him. Abamyang, he does seem to be a lot more than just on the pitch as well. Like he seems to drive up the players around him and all that. So you don't really want his head dropping. No. But something that someone mentioned uh, the other day, just away from Ertzil, was people are saying, look, you got to give it two, three years maybe until the until you got Emery with his team. Bamiang's going to be 33 then. Mkhitaryan's going to be 32 then. Mm. Socrates is going to be 34 then. Czech's going to be retired, I'm sure. Koscielny is going to be 35. He's on his way out as it is. Legs-wise. It's going to be like a whole yeah. new team. So... In the way it is now, you probably are paying for your long-term future because 100%. he seems pretty ruthless and it's not like he's at PSG now where he's going to be able to lump on a whole new team. So the guys he brings in probably are going to be hard workers who have where the, the technical side for for a while may be the second thing they're looking for. Yeah, kind of like sort of attitude will buy into it. Where Milner is a great example where he obviously is a good footballer but there's probably people in his position that are more competent than him, but the work he puts in on the pitch makes him more valuable than some with 10 times the ability that he has. 100%, yeah. And that's the thing with Ertzel that's going to be. I mean, Ramsey, one thing you can't knock is his work rate. Exactly, and then he has got ability to bat that up. So. Yeah, I mean, I'm one of the first to say that you can't trust the stats that you see on paper. Yeah. But... Ramsey, that kind of thing wise, is in the top 10 to 15 midfielders in Europe in terms of distance covered and chances created and that kind of thing. Yeah. I'm not for one second saying he's one of the best 15 midfielders no. in, in Europe, but he's someone that Arsenal can base a team around. Whereas How old is he? Ramsey, I think he's 25. He's No, he's, he's one year younger than Wilshire, so 26. So. In terms of if you're looking over the next two or three years, he's someone you do want to keep. And, and, yeah, and I think half of his contract negotiation is he's going to be looking saying, look, he's getting 350 grand a week. Yeah. I'm doing more than him, and you don't want to pay me 225 grand is supposedly what he's asked for. Okay. And like his his team have come out and denied that. Like They're quite vocal on Twitter, his like, uh, management. No matter When everyone says he wants to leave, they keep writing fake news under stuff. It's like, I don't really know... <laughs> Why, but uh, he seems the type that's asking for a reasonable amount of money. He doesn't seem like someone who's going to be holding the bending the club over a barrel. And if I'm the manager, I'm building my team around him more than I am Ertzil because he's far more reliable. Even when he has a bad game, he's still he's still doing more than You've got a minimum kind yeah. out of him, though, don't you? Yeah. Do you think Arsenal better off without Ozil? Oh, it's 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 a tough it's a tough thing. Like I mean. Myself, I've come a- around to that way of thinking. So me and my uncle usually, I kind of speak to him on and off throughout the week. And during the Arsenal game, like, like you see some people on Twitter where they're bam, 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 on their phone. Me and him usually kind of just text during the game. And during the Chelsea game, we're both like, look, I don't really know what Ertzel's doing here. Because he's leaving <laughs> yeah. us He's leaving us vulnerable. And we go to games and from fans, he's one of the early ones that people get barreled on. There's a there's a brigade of people that are like you can't speak bad about him, you don't understand football if you yeah, if you criticise yeah. him, and it was Troy that I was speaking to. We do need we needed kind of like a group podcast here. We've been missing a little little drizzle of Troy on the podcast. Absolutely. But we were talking about it, and he was saying, look, I, I trust my eyes more than I trust uh, a stat a statistician telling me, look, he travels 
twice the amount he did, and so he must be better. Look, he, yeah. ch- he created this amount of chances. Like uh, the Arsenal account tweeted, and I'll find uh, the exact tweet just because of how misleading it is. And I mean, you picked me up from the coach on Saturday, and I was saying about Bellerin on there. Yeah. And how he's one of the ones who fans are not a fan of, of Bellerin. I mean, they shouldn't be. And I'm he trying won't. to find what it. Trying to find where it is, but no, I'm not going to find it. Essentially, they they tweeted out, "Look, he made this." Ah, here it is. Uh, provided the ball in for two goals, topmost crosses, most aerial duels, and five clearances. And they said, "What a performance!" And it definitely wasn't a great performance. He kept losing the ball and jogging back. Yeah, exactly. And someone said, "Like my nan is better than him defensively. If that's the case, convert him into a winger and play Lichtsteiner." The goal of most of their opportunities came down his flank. 100%. And someone else has said, are you kidding me? Did you even watch the game? <laughs> and then someone else has criticised him because he's not from England. So it's, Oh, say, fuck's sake. They're saying, you can't be watching him properly. You're not even from here. And it's like, fuck's sake. Yeah, someone said on here, haters going to hate. The stats speak for themselves. You can walk on water and they'll say you can't swim. Five interceptions in three games. Jesus Brilliant. Christ. Pat on the back. That's, that's what? what we're doing. Yeah. I don't know if I sent you the one, but there, there's been people who've def- been defending Xhaka, and someone replies as saying like, "What has he done since he's been at Arsenal?" Someone's like, second most interceptions in the league and a ten out of ten performance at Wembley." And it's all like, oh, fuck me, yeah. These people can't believe what they're saying. I mean, Xhaka, it's definitely not. If the game was played on paper, then most of the best strikers that you know would be the worst players on the pitch because they do nothing and then they'll pop up and get a goal. Aubameyang isn't someone who's going to be... Ooh. Oh, wow. Lukaku <sighs> just missed an open goal. I mean, it's, it's harsh to call it that, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. Uh, so Aubameyang, so for him, he is there just to score goals. He's not going to be making the tackles, interceptions and this kind of thing. So... Yet he'd be maybe the first name on the team sheet for Arsenal, so you you can't be judging a, a game like that. If you get if you're gonna go on stats, that um thing came out about your quickest players wasn't Socrates yeah. one of the top four or something? Yeah, there was a thing. Yes, I test or tell you that he looks like he's <laughs> running through water. <laughs> there was a guy yesterday, one of these people who have a footballer as their picture on Twitter that tells yeah. you what you need to know. Yeah. And he was basically saying that Firmino and Hazard can't lace Deli Ali's boots. What? And they had this stat list that said um, goals um, per game, um, assists per game, tackles, interceptions, and all this. And they were like, look, on this list, Deli Ali is better than you on all this. Jesus and that Christ. proves that could, they were like, that could never be my striker there. What? I mean, it's three different positions. Like Firmino, you say is probably a false nine. Yeah. Dele Alli is more of like a shadow striker and Hazard is a winger. <laughs> yeah, ridiculous. But, I mean, back back to Ertzil. So, I, I, I wouldn't sell him, but I definitely think he's too much of a liability unless he changes in certain games that you wouldn't play him. And it seems a lot to have your most paid player be a guy who you can't trust in a game against the top half of the table. Yeah, I don't think he can be a squad player, can he? No, exactly. So that's, your, so that's your issue then. If if you could get someone in 
that could do everything he does and do some more <laughs> ever elsewhere on the pitch then yeah i take i mean the, the thing is you know his abilities so it's hard to say that you wouldn't have him in your team exactly yeah but i think he he just does need a wake up call like and hopefully emery is the guy that's going to do it he's he's tried the tactic of talking him down it didn't work he's tried the tactic of talking him up it didn't work so now he's going to see like if you say maybe don't don't play him for a couple of games yeah. that kind of gets in his head i mean there was the rumour that apparently he was told he wasn't going to be starting and then he stormed off and that's why he wasn't in the squad. But I find that hard to believe when the only people reporting it are uh, ESPN Brazil. Very odd. <laughs> There's a bloke on Arsenal Fan TV and they were saying, what have you heard? And he was going, look, look, I'm not going to say what I've heard. I just don't want negativity around the club. You've not heard any more than any of us. <laughs> I, <don't know. laughs> I do love those guys. Oh, helmets. But no, I, I think that we can be better off with it, uh, Sil, but I think if he can just iron out a few flaws, then he's very much there. I think he just needs someone. Maybe it is going to be like, he didn't like Mourinho, but maybe some of the, the, the time everyone was talking about him was when he was playing under Mourinho. So... Maybe he does need a bit of fear, like, look, I can't be affording to do this. Just some consistency from him. That's all I want, man. It's obvious what he's got. Just do have it a bit. Because even when he has one good game now, like you say, it's going to be like, all right, he had a good game today, but what's he going to do next week when you he has to travel know, away to... Well, we got Cardiff away on Sunday, and that's not going to be a pleasant game. Like, they're not just going to roll over. Warnock. Yeah, exactly. old tricks. And he's going to be more than happy to say, all right, put a boot in on it, so he's not going to fancy it. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, can we each have us a second? How bold is Lucas Moura? That is not... A, <laughs> that is not... He's persistent with trying to grow hair. Yeah, I think when you get to a certain stage, you He's just need to say, like, look, just get it all off. He's modelled that barnet on a great Tottenham striker, Freddie Canute. <laughs> Forgets, gets forgotten about too much, that man. He does. Like, I, I'm actually, I can't remember the last word his name until you've just said it then. Exactly. Alright, so just a little thing on the quality of the Sky Sports punditry. And I don't know if you watched the aftermath of the Newcastle-Chelsea game yesterday. No, I got but, I saw some of the yeah. stuff getting said about it. There, there's no debating going on. So yesterday it was Sunis and Redknapp. And they had Amiobi in there, who was actually very good. Like, I'd like to see more of him. Oh, really? Yeah. His accent killed me. Yeah, it really caught me off guard. I'm serious, Julian. Yeah. Um, and he was... Like you're always going to get a bit of bias when they're there, but he yeah. was talking about maybe like this is the case for that, this is the case for that. Whereas Redknapp and Sunis were so set in football shouldn't be played like this. Uh, from the game before, Sunis was still going on that uh, Kapoor shouldn't have been on the pitch still, which was fair. But like, get over it. It's, it's <laughs> yeah, calm down. And it, there was. It was just like, you could have watched the first five minutes and you didn't need to watch the rest of it. Yeah. So I just like, I know the appeal of having ex-players on there, but there can't be that there's no one better to talk about football and analyse it than some of these people they have. There are, because even when you get someone's on, like you said, Ramiobi, like guests, yeah. you think like, oh, they're actually really good. Yeah, they- that's the thing. Even there's some players that are better because then they're, like fighting to be in that slot, like they want a yeah. career after TV. Like I think Bellamy's quite good because 
for one, it it's not fake, and I know with Sunis it's not fake in like his character. No, very much in but character. But there's there's like a level of hot takes to have, and you need to be able to back them up a bit rather than just make a bold claim and then not be able to back it up I, at all. I quite liked him, not necessarily when he's fresh on because he's been on TV for God knows how long, but. They didn't use him too often, and he'd come on every now and again. He thought it's quite refreshing having him on. They used to use him on the Champions League nights, um, yeah. Soonest, and I always used to think he was the guy. Like when he he'd talked give about you an Arsenal, take, yeah, I was like, that is brilliant. I agree with everything he yeah. said. Yeah, agreed. And now it's almost like uh, I mean, we've said it about like reality stars before we came on the podcast. It's almost like that he's been told, "Look, you're good because you you're talking a lot. You're talking a lot of trash, basically." Yeah, and people like how angry you always seem to be. Yeah, so just keep playing on it. But yeah. the whole reason people like it is because it was authentic. It was actually yeah. happening. If you just constantly have to do it because you've been told to, it's kind of like a joke works well the once. Yeah. <laughs> but if I then tell it ten times, by the tenth time you'll be thinking, right, yeah, I don't need that anymore. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to something else. And I then, think like, Red has been the case pretty much since day dot, hasn't he? He, he just seems like, like, so saw... unintelligent in like what he says, like he he's done no research. He's just like he. Yeah, I was about to say about the research issue. There isn't any really going he's just on. So it? secure in his job. You saw it on deadline day where they had pundits on. Yeah, uh-huh. with like the transfers and stuff. They guess like they don't yeah. have a clue, do they? In terms of what's on the market, who who's a good player, who isn't. Well, who was it? There was I think was it Mercer who was talking about clangers, didn't he? Talking about a player that wasn't even at the club the season before. It, He'd been loaned out or something. Yeah, it sounds about it right. Like, yeah, I really like looking last year. Yeah. Like, didn't do anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? That, that's the thing. I think they just need to freshen up a bit because I'm not just singling out Sky because BT are the exact same as well. <laughs> BT just have some absolute whoppers on them. <laughs> yeah, BT are actually more unbearable than than they are uh, on Sky. It's funny because then both shows have some good points like Sky with the Monday Night Football. Yeah. Carrigo and Neville are class. That's and, the thing. And I, BT with some of the content they get is good Carragher and Neville I, I, I tweeted about it yesterday and I put them completely outside of this because they have the perfect blend of insight knowledge like making it interesting with the like chemistry they have between them can still have a laugh with it yeah without it being stupid or so that's literally and, and they've like you said they've got chemistry where it's yeah. not created they don't try and like give each other a it just happens Sunis just talks over people all the time as well. Like you see yeah. them look at him, like he just bites over. Like, I'm going to stop you there a second, and then he goes off on something completely yeah, different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if we go from that to this, so the two tie in. So the thing they were so negative about was Rafa Benitez's tactics yesterday. Yeah, and you saw the game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I don't think you can expect him to line up much differently against Chelsea. I mean, you can have a bit more intent about it. But oh, it's taking too long. You have a bit more intent about it, and not be quite so negative. But I don't really know what they were expecting. Honestly, I and I didn't know why that game was the one where it took off because there's been countless games, not, not so much the start of this yeah. season. Countless games where teams do that. Watch half of the games against Liverpool last yeah. season, where this teams are coming and camp in and. What else are you going to do? But yeah, Brighton did it. I was watching a match of the earlier and he literally said, like, look, I don't really know what else we can do against Liverpool. Like, we don't have the means yeah. to be able to go head-to-head with them. Look, try and do it. We'll see what happens. Um, so, 
they kept you, saying it. Chelsea can be got at a little bit. They've shown yeah. that. So maybe you could show a bit more attacking intent. But Amiobi essentially said, look, like Rafa has had a style the whole time. He's like, I don't know why this is that much of a surprise Yeah, th- that's another thing I was going to come on to. He said, look, I understand you can be a bit more attacking with it. But he said, look, he's essentially asked for more in the summer. He's without five of his best players and he's doing like the best he can, basically. Yeah. And he was like, essentially, he's like, I imagine it probably wasn't his idea to camp in like that and then not when he's it. It probably was keep it tight for about 80 minutes and then when we're when there's a goal in it, we're going to see if we can nick something. Yeah. And that is literally what they tried to do. They had about five, ten minutes. They got the goal back and then they they conceded. They nearly got out of a draw. Yeah. That's what Amiobi was saying. He was like, look, if they get a point here, you're going to be saying, look, they've done well. And he's like, and they were both so insistent. They're like, no, we wouldn't be saying that. They were saying, at home, you have a duty to go out there, entertain the fans. Soonest was saying, if that was me in charge, I'd have been absolutely hammered for playing like that. He's like, these fans expect more. It's like, I can't imagine, I mean, the fans probably were dejected. It's like, if you if you play like that, you do kind of have to get the result to make it worth it. To justify it. Well, with that, one, Sooners did have a good manager in Newcastle, so shit, they sacked him. <laughs> Two, Rafa's got the, the backing of him because he managed to get a fucking shit squad to 10th last season. Well, that's the, He was pulling up trees. He was. They were saying, look, I think Rafa is not with the owners and he's trying to make a point here by playing the most negative football he can to prove a point and say, look, this is what you should have done. And I think... The impression I get of Rafa, I mean, I'll get this rid of this cat after we finish this topic, if you can hear that. Yeah, I wonder what that was. But um, no, they were, uh, Amiobi was basically saying, like, I don't think he, I think he can, he can moan when the transfer window's on, and once that's over, then he's going to get on with the job. Yeah. And they've actually made some decent buys with the money they've got. They've, they played as they can, and it's not like they play like that every single game. Rafa is always defence first. And you well, know that. This, yeah, this is the thing. He was a cautious manager when he had the good teams. So what's he going to do with this he's got? Well, Sari came out and said, look, look this is, I, I've never seen this with Rafa before. Have a flat back five. But he also said, he also said like, look, I know how Rafa plays. Yeah, yeah. It was it was a little bit more extreme than his usual, I, I will admit. Yeah, they had 19% possession. It was kind of horses for courses, wasn't it? Yeah. Because of what he had. Uh, yeah, I... I find the reaction to it strange, I'll admit. And it, again, maybe it's just because it's Newcastle. Yeah. And well, if, got, there's this weird sort of thing that Newcastle's supposed to do something. Yeah, yeah I mean... Which they've it, never done. Some of it, though, is like, with their fan base, TalkSport always go in on Arsenal because they know they're going to be able to roll up the fans. And so you say something a bit controversial and you're going to get people talking about it because it's Newcastle. But yeah. I mean, if, if their fans were that unhappy, they wouldn't be rallying around up in Rafa there to stay, would they? Because they're under no illusions to what style of football he plays, and that style of football got, got them to 10th. And, and actually, in, in all fairness to Newcastle fans, I haven't seen Newcastle fans complaining. No. I've seen people complain on their behalf. People saying, yeah. oh, they're going to be fuming that he's playing this style of football. I haven't seen any of them say that. Well, yeah, I mean, my, the reason my... they the only reason they didn't get a draw is because some awful defending, which wasn't Rafa's fault. Yeah, if my... you look at that goal, there's no way they should concede yeah. that. My brother was at the game, like I said, and even he was kind of like, "Look, it probably could have been a better game, but like it's Chelsea, what are you going to do?" <laughs> yeah. When uh, I mean, most of the talk elsewhere has just been about what a great game Hazard had, which I mean, Chelsea found a way to 
pick through a tight defence, which is what you expect them to do. And so the the plaudits should probably be more for them than it should be anti Newcastle and anti Rafa. Yeah, exactly. I, I don't because, like we said, like you've just said, like there's nothing he can do about that goal. And if he, if they stay strong for another three minutes, you're saying what a master plan he's yeah, done. Yeah, the goal was considered due to individual performance, really. So there's nothing he's done there. Yeah, uh, Hazard, I'll tell you what, he did look good. He has started yeah. the season red hot. <laughs> have a quick pause here. I'll get rid of this cut or we're going to be here in this deal game. <laughs> we're back. It's turned into a little two-part of this. I was cut uh, meowing outside the door. Cut, stop, play. Didn't want to uh, subject anyone to that if it could be heard for the rest of the episode. So continuing with the football, I mean... The rumour has it that Southgate is set to call up Jadon Sancho and Phil Foden for the next England internationals. What do you think? Do you like do you like the move? Do you not like the move? Yeah, I I quite like it. I think it freshens it up a bit. I quite like it as well. For... Yeah, I th- I just think with an international break at this point, I think people are a little bit we're just starting to get into the prem. I think even with the World Cup injecting a bit of enthusiasm into the national team, I do think we're a bit like oh international break. Yeah. Again. So I think having a couple of youngsters and untested sort of players yeah. I think is is a good way of freshening things up a bit and I don't know how many senior players that probably are drop out or whatever. Well, <laughs> so the nice thing is it, it is that international league isn't it so maybe it shows whether he's taking that seriously or not I do think people will quickly come to establish them as friendlies yeah. in terms of how they view them yeah I mean, I think Sancho deserves it more than Foden. I mean, just the stats itself. I mean, no player has provided more Bundesliga assists since the start of last season than Sancho. And he mm. didn't make his full debut until January. Yeah. And it's a bit of a breath of fresh air to see a player, not a youngster, not getting the game time here, going abroad and then making the claim for themselves to to play for England, I guess. I mean, yeah. if you're not getting a game time in England, go abroad. And then force your way in and force your way into everyone's, uh, like everyone's into the manager's thinking. And let's face it, he's gone abroad and gone to a big club and done yeah. it as well. And maybe the thing is with um, Foden is Southgate must be thinking like, look, he's not going to be getting much game time for City. So if I want him to be a part of my team, I'm going to have to give him the game time myself. We say, right, what's he got? Let's yeah. see him in front of our kind of in front of our very own eyes, rather than bank on Pep having to play him because it might not happen too often. No, and the thing with that as well is like he obviously does have talent and no one's saying he's going to be starting immediately. But just having him around the squad and then get these young players bedded in before the Euros in two years and yeah. then hopefully some of them are ready rather than... And hopefully for our next squad, it's not going to be such a... I have no clue who's going to be in the squad here. You'd hope, wouldn't you? I mean, several players. I mean, players like Young, Cahill are going to be on their last legs if they're in... I didn't think they made this sport. one, so you never know. <laughs> Maybe they'll drag themselves to the next yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, overall, I do, I do quite like the move. Um, and I think if worst comes to worst, he doesn't like it, then he can drop him out and then just not have him in the next squad. He doesn't have to play him if they're not gelling well. So Yeah, there's no real risk attached to it, is it? It's, and it's good. I don't think you want to put a completely experimental squad together, but it's nice to, I think, have two or three different sort of names if, in there to If the sense is as well that he's getting rid of the older players and bringing in the younger ones, and it makes perfect sense there as well, because yeah. you've got a core there, and so you just have like the old for the new kind of thing. Yeah, you've kind of got to phase them out as well. Yeah. In a way, so. 
Um, just a couple other little bits before we move on. So, do you think we're sleeping on Chelsea, or do you think it's just a case of uh, uh, I could say Madrid, Liverpool, and City are just the two clear favourites, and so Chelsea kind of doing what we expect them to do, and not a lot more. Uh, I think we have slept on them a bit. I think you look at the summer, and there's no other way of looking at it than thinking it was kind of disorganised chaos. Yeah, they hadn't got a new manager in exactly, and. There was all sorts of different players wanting to leave, etc. Courtois did leave. Brought a new keeper in for a record fee, a youngster. But you, you watch him play, and it doesn't look too chaotic. It all looks his style of play seems to have enforced quite quickly. Yeah, they seem that, to be able to pass I mean, it around. They might be used to getting new managers in a lot more than yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're used to adapting. But the only thing with them is. In the games I've seen of them, they have looked susceptible at the back. And it's kind of been the case of they've got away with it so far. Yeah. And you wonder if one club does kind of stick it on them. Yeah, we could have about four in the first half. Exactly. If if one club does stick a few past them, will confidence start to go? How will Sara react to whatever? Yeah. So, but then, you could probably say the same for Liverpool. You know, if someone does rattle through past us, does the confidence in the defence then start to shrink a bit? So I don't think they're a million miles worse than Liverpool. As much as people say Liverpool are the main contenders for City, I don't think Chelsea are a million miles off them. For me, I, I think, don't think United are either. It's no. just that the way they are set up by Mourinho. For me, I think it's just that everyone's viewing City and Liverpool as that far ahead, and as good as Chelsea are, no one's saying, "Well, they're a contender for City." They're just saying, "Well, they're doing better than we thought." So, yeah, maybe. Um, elsewhere then, so. Will Madrid replace Ronaldo, do you think? Mm, good question. Bale's had a good start, got the goals in. So for me personally, I think they're going to eventually, but it may not be viewed as a direct replacement for him. So they'll probably wait until next summer and see if they can get Mbappe, Neymar or someone of that nature. I don't think they're necessarily prepared to put about 500 million on someone, which is like for the calibre of player they're going to, say to be replacing Ronaldo yeah. it's going to be someone big so maybe they're just going to wait until like the market opens Hazard has got a year left on his contract so that might be I could see them yeah have a yeah. very close <laughs> look at that they may they may even be in place already you know how football works yeah true the culture of the club is that they like a big name is as well isn't it like a marquee signing so. Hazard makes perfect sense as well and if I've... you can wait another year then how much worse are you going to get like you've got the players there the contenders are Atletico, Barca and Madrid, so it's like... Hazard makes perfect sense. Yeah. If this makes any sense, though, it's... he may not be the, the sort of the shining light name that they want. In terms of Mbappe and Neymar are sort of the guys that are constantly talked about as the next Ballon d'Or winners yeah. and the next guys. Hazard's kind of a current guy, one of the current ones. Maybe... Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I feel like they'd have to... They're just spend big, big money on those two. Some of it, Hazard with a year left, it's still probably to spend hundred million. But yeah, I mean Neymar has the arrogance to be kind of called the Ronaldo replacement in that sense. Yeah, Hazard, I think, has a bit more of an infectious personality. He seemed like a funny guy and that kind of thing. So, and Mbappe just kind of like he just has that like aura around. He does him. have an aura about him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So that's maybe the thing, but. I don't think they're going to complain about having Hazard there. And Bale, oh, no. Bale, I mean, is going to his late 20s now. So Once that pace goes with him. Yeah. 
just needs to get rid of that ponytail and get the fire bail back. But just accept his boldness. He's going to be it. he's going to be better just not having the pressure of Ronaldo there. So you'd think, wouldn't you? So they'll probably give it a go this year. Got the new manager in, so see how it goes, and then. I just feel like even if Bell does have a good year, they're such a sort of superstar orientated thing that I feel like I'm not sure if Bale fits that. He profile. might have like an amazing year. It might just be like an he amazing year. Should absolutely. Uh, although I mean, him, Benzema, they're probably all going to come to it like a halt at the same kind of time. <laughs> so it may be that they replace a couple of ones, or maybe Hazard is the one, and then they get like. Name uh, in Amor and Mbappe in the following year, kind of thing. Does tend so. to be the way it goes with them, doesn't it? Once one mm. comes in, yeah. Um, from there, then, um, Joe, just fine. I don't know if you saw today. Um, PK has started uh, tapping at Pogba. He said, "Oh, it'd be great to have him here. We'd love to have him if it was, if there's a chance he could make the move." <laughs> doesn't, Shameless. Doesn't feel quite as bad when it's not on an Arsenal player either. So. I did like how that Ashley Cole tapping that thing went kind of crazy when you, and then it kind of came out oh pretty much every player seems to have this. His was obviously a stupid one in terms of going for a dinner with him in a hotel. Yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> um, and just finally, did you see Klopp's interview after the Brighton game? Have you seen it? Where I think so. Yeah, they said to him uh, these are maybe the kind of games you yeah. were drawing last year. And he's like, well, you know, we had a little talk before the season. I thought maybe we don't do that this year. <laughs> <laughs> he is a funny guy. I will say that for him. It's like, yeah, we decided that wasn't such a good idea, losing <laughs> points there. <laughs> All right, what have we got next? So, this will one, this one be Pochettino's dressed ready to kill someone. Yeah. <laughs> He's been looking at Simeone's style. Well, this would have been one to have Alex on for. So, I mean, we, we've been talking like down on the, the YouTube fight, as we say, yeah. KSI and Logan Paul. Alex... W- we we're starting to believe that maybe he himself did buy it. I think he's paid for it. He's pinned it on his youngest brother, the the only the one that I'm not in contact with, so for me to not be able to ask the questions. The one is too innocent to yeah. say anything. But at the end of the day, his brother's too young to pay for it himself. So I think Alex has, on the ruse that he's paying for it for his brother, <laughs> has paid for it. But he was engulfed by it. He was messaging us about <laughs> this. I've never known him message about boxing, and he was loving it. Well, he's had the message. Anyone watching this, kind of sarcastically, and I was, like, oh, here's a stream, Alex. If you do want to watch, it, I'm gonna have a little look on the coach. He's like, you know what? The big fight's up next. Don't know. You're thinking this. Your face is blooded up already. <laughs> <laughs> is man Logan Paul? He messaged us about it first thing in the morning, and nobody yeah. bit. And then he thought, right, I'll try again in the evening. All over it, and he's. I mean, I don't know. He's seen if he can get a sponsorship. I think to go out there for the rematch. <laughs> I mean, who would have thought you have a rematch signed and in place before the bout and it just happens to be a majority draw? Oh, I wish I'd known the rematch was signed. I'd have been lumping on the draw. 16 to 1. Yeah, we've seen this before. Typical uh, boxing, that is. Shameless. Utterly shameless. The question I was going to get onto is whether it's good or bad for boxing. And me personally, I, I think it's like neutral. I don't think it anything. And if anything, I would say it's leaning towards the positive side yeah in the fact that some people are going to watch and I don't know if you've seen I think I showed you the clip of someone doing the floss dance and the shoot dance mid-fight where people are going to go this isn't real boxing and then so incensed say you got real boxing on next week or yeah and if and if you did think like something was a good fight or whatever was entertaining you surely even if you've never seen a boxing match in your life are thinking 
oh, they must be even better if the actual pros are doing yeah. it. You must think this is great. Surely to God. If you if, if you watched a Sunday league football game and there's the first football game you watched. Yeah, yeah. And you thought, oh, this is really good. You think, oh, imagine what a Premier League footballer yeah. can do. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think it's either way. I mean, looking at the, the numbers, so they had... The numbers, eight, I couldn't believe it. 800,000 people on the bought the pay-per-view and they think over double that watched it illegally. 20,000 filled out the Manchester Arena? Yeah. Couldn't fill it for Crawler Linares. That's fucking depressing. Do you see someone tweeted Frampton earlier saying, you could never fill an arena like this? And he's gone, well, actually, he'd been there and done that. (laughs) And sent them a clip of the crowd for Frampton Quig. What a crescent. Yeah. But, no, I mean, their fan bases are just, like, die hard for, I don't really know, I don't, I know uh, KSI used to do FIFA videos, but it's never something that's been... I was, I was going to say, I have almost no real me, knowledge but, of them. And Logan Paul, I know, bec- only because he filmed that video of the guy who was hung in a forest in Japan, and there was the backlash for that. Yeah, I heard about the Unsurprising, backlash. Unsurprisingly. <laughs> um, but that's pretty much all I know of them. Their fan bases, I mean, when you have a fan base defending... You filming a dead guy hanging from a tree, that probably shows you your fan base is about as diehard as it can go. I mean, I, I said about the Urtsal ones earlier, that that's like another level. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah, it is bad in the sense of, like I said, the same arena couldn't be filled for a world title fight. Yeah. But more eyes on it, the better. It's a little bit like Maymac, yeah. you think. Don't necessarily have to like how it came about there is still eyes on the sport. It's being talked about. Yeah, that happens really to no be our uh, next port of call. The, the only problem being how much of that crowd is a transferable crowd is the question. Yeah, at least I'm not sure how much is. <laughs> I mean, at least with Mayweather McGregor, there was an actual boxer in there. Yeah, exactly. Well, I don't know if I made it better or worse, actually. <laughs> but at least they were two people known for fighting. These yeah. are just two people. You could have had two people off the street. Yeah. Um. So thoughts on Mayweather McGregor a year later. I mean, the main thought is how people ever thought it was going to go differently. <laughs> it seems just mental that there were people saying about angles and, oh, but do you know he's a southpaw and stuff like this? If he lands that one shot. And people's going on, but if that uppercut landed, which he kind of like grazed, grazed I mean, it caught him, but it wasn't like, uh, take it, take your head off, rock him, sock and robot style. No, that's it. The first couple of rounds, he did actually catch him with a couple of shots. Yeah, but... then it kind of seemed clear what the game plan was when you then see the whole fight. It's, looking back, it's almost a bit like it, you can't quite believe it happened. Yeah. It's, it's a bit of a, yeah. I mean, we all said like, that. that's never happening, like that kind of thing. <laughs> oh yeah, I it remember your tweets, like people yeah. need to stop talking about it because yeah. it's never going to happen. And, it seemed about as realistic as when they, people were talking about Mayweather Rousey, which seemed just, <laughs> just outrageous. Same people criticise him for domestic abuse, for yeah. God's sake. Now you want to get a woman in fighting him. Yeah, and who also has admitted to domestic abuse. <laughs> um, but no, thoughts year on, kind of like, it was fun. Like, if you just took it for what it was, which eventually we all kind of yeah got around to that way of thinking, like, look, we're just going to take you for what it is now and get around to this way of thinking kind of enjoy the show if you like yeah it is what it is cleverly got turned into a lunatic by losing to Badu Jack if you see his Twitter from oh my now, god yeah onwards. he lost his mind Badu Jack just took his soul 
Or what else? I, see, I saw Buddy Jack get interviewed the other day, and yeah. someone said, I mean, "It does seem to be there's a thing of like you just seem to take fight of souls." It's like James DeGale's never been the same since. <laughs> Cleverly retired. And it was like, it's one of this, and Buddy Jack, not really the most talkative guy. He's like, "Yeah, maybe there is." He walked <laughs> out with um, KSI. I'm pretty sure. Someone's, yeah, yeah, some, yeah, someone, someone said if someone if you if you told me Buddy Jack was involved, I'd have lumped on a draw. <laughs> <laughs> What else have we got? I mean, just a little thing here. So, uh, Callis Allen's come out to defend the Grove Smith fight being in Saudi Arabia. Oh, Christ. He can't actually slate it now that he's booked it, but it is a shit show. So. And the backers are clearly Saudis or whatever because yeah. it's got to be there. So, In in his interview, by the way, he is good as was going towards it, but he obviously can't say it. Yeah. Like, it's a World Series, so it's got to... His comparison was a little loose. He said, um, well, this is like the Champions League. So it's like if Liverpool and Tottenham both make the Champions League final, they're not going to choose the stage game at Wembley. Was it? Well, no, because that's the final is a predetermined yeah. destination <laughs> before the tournament starts the Champions League, and you're not negotiating different venues as no. the thing goes on. <laughs> oh, um, all right. What else have we got? So uh, Jose Pedraza beat Beltran on Saturday night via unanimous decision. Your boy, Raimundo Beltran, yeah. I should say. To set up a bout with Lomachenko next. Fuck's sake. I can't see how that's an appealing fight for anyone. It's, the problem with Lomachenko is, actually, isn't it, is unless it is a super, super fight for him. Yeah. <laughs> look, like This would be a unification fight, wouldn't it? Yeah. And we're saying, I'm not really interested. Just chuck the money shows at you Mikey it. Garcia. It's all we want. Apart from anything, just to stop him going after Spence. Yeah. <laughs> they, we've said before, haven't we? But Spence and Garcia both got more than the fights in and around their own weight classes that we want to see first. Yeah. So let them do that. Garcia, yeah. Lomachenko be class. Yeah, big time. I think that's one of the best fights that can be made. Um, just to close us out, then. So a bit of UFC on this weekend. I mean, I tweeted. I think it was on a spitballing account that it started at eleven thirty at night over here. I think you left about one ish. And it finished, one, and it yeah. finished at six a.m. for a thirteen fight card. Christ. So that not that's about as far from ideal as it can be. I mean, good card. The fights were good. It seems, as I said before, it's the thing when you when you go or when you don't watch On it. The ultimate jinx. Then the fights. If I, if we could have just had them bunch closer together, they were all. There wasn't a bad fight on the card. Yeah. Um. Gaethje, I mean, this what happens. This is kind of the beauty of combat sports. So if you talk shit to someone, they do have the chance to either back it up or get put to sleep. <laughs> when you see the photos from after, I mean, it looks like Gaethje's a bit classier in defeat. And then you see pictures of him uh, putting like this with his hands like sleeping while Gaethje is unconscious. He put his yeah, but he's putting yeah. his finger up at him. <laughs> And he says, "Look, I'm the most real guy in the sport. If you if you talk to me, I'm going to take it personally." So he Fair said enough, that, he and he was like, "I'm for that. I'm glad. I, I'm glad I put him to sleep." He did absolutely sleep him as well. Didn't yeah, he? I don't know if um, you saw this, but Gaethje went over about five minutes later to check on him, just to kind of shake his hand, and uh, Vic was still trying to take him down. Fucking hell. He was that out of it, like he thought the fight was still going on. Jesus. He was sat on the stool, so that didn't that didn't clock with him and he was still trying to take him down. Wow. His eyes when the first punch lands is like is they're, they're, he's they're still open, like he's literally dead. 
Gates, you did his backflip off the cage. That's he so did good. it first time that time, yeah. as well, didn't he? He managed it. Yeah, getting the Michael Johnson fight where he tried it three times. <laughs> yeah, it must have just been my night because, I mean, the bet failed previously, but then for me to have two fights in a row where I've backed Courtney Casey by decision, she wins a split decision. I back Michael Johnson, he wins by split decision. Your thing about Michael Johnson, where you said it just seems to what, just, yeah, just seems to find a way to throw it away or something. But the thing was, he, he was having trouble. Yeah, he was doing well for the first the first round. I thought he won. Uh, others thought he lost. Second round, he was the best he'd looked during the fight, and then he ends up with standing up with um, Feely on his back, and then I don't know why people do it. So when they're in a choke and they try and punch. While in it, just leaving their neck wide open, and he managed yeah. to get around it, and he managed to slip out, thankfully. But no, I, I thought the right was on the wall then. I mean, the, all the like alpha male guys have been saying it's disgusting the way it's been judged, and of course, <clears throat> it is. It is strange that one judge can give a thirty twenty seven to one fighter, and then the other two was <laughs> twenty nine to the other. But there was kind of an argument for each round. It was kind of a thing where. Do you judge someone for, do you score someone for getting someone in the position for an attempted submission or do you score someone for getting out of the submission? And mm. it seems one of them scored the one way one of them, and two of them scored the other way. So. I think my bet was let down by your boy James Krause winning. Yeah, you as you left, you you said your boy James Krause. Yep. Uh, yeah, he looked great, and he's another one that shows what happens if you actually go up to your natural weight rather than kill yourself to get down. Wally yeah. Alves never been beaten. He, I don't know if you've seen the knockout. He um, faked for a, for a low kick, and in bringing the leg down, so he then kind of did it in like a double movement, like a scissor. So he put it down, then pulled it up for a knee. Oh wow! And then uh, stopped him against the cage. And he's a guy who's not particularly known for having any power, so. It's just kind of a perfect technique. What about that Eric Anders? He KO looked as well. pretty awful for the first round. I mean, he's come back off elbow surgery and he's been off six months. So, but yeah, the KO. Oh, I mean, that was he, he couldn't have timed it any better because it's literally just as his hand comes off the mat, then he then he lands it. That was disgusting. And he he knew he didn't need to land the second strike. Jesus. <laughs> the, that was uh, the only thing uh, I didn't like about Paul Felder's commentary all night is he kept saying Timmy for the guy that he was fighting, just kind of making out that he knows him and it's like, I don't really want to know that you're... Like mates with him or whatever. Yeah, like yeah mates true. with the guy that you're commentating for. But People, almost all of them do, though, don't they? Yeah, I mean, still, when he's been knocked out, he still was like <laughs> screaming, so <laughs> he got under that. But And then just finally, uh, they've made Nunes against Cyborg for their end-of-year card, which... A lot of people like. I, I don't really like it. I mean, I know there literally is no division for Cyborg, and Nunes seems to have gone through competitors. But there's enough people there for Nunes to fight, and it's just a case of someone smaller going and against Cyborg. Cyborg again. Both, so. um, both, both Brazilian, yeah. so they're, they're going along that lines, presumably. Nunes is pretty big at her own weight, yeah. I guess. So they're using that argument. It's not going to be. I just, don't, I just don't like how entitled Cyborg is either. It's like, look, no one wants to fight you because there's literally no one your size. It's not natural for a woman to be fighting at your size. It's certainly not natural. 
no. So that that's that's my feelings on it. But I'll still watch it. I'll still get excited for it. Yeah, exactly. And in terms of the women's division, it is an exciting fight yeah. to, to be made. Uh, I, I do think Nunes has got plenty of other options, whereas Cyborg obviously is limited. So in that regard, she can maybe feel a bit hard done by Nunes if she, because you could imagine USA probably forced her into. Yeah. It. I don't imagine she was too buzzing to no. fight Cyborg. Um, just uh, to close us out then, I've just been sent a tweet uh, about the United game following uh, Rose's mistake earlier. And it says, um, Rose, under pressure from Fred, makes a mistake. History is taught as that simply doesn't hold up in court. <laughs> that is fantastic. <laughs> that is fantastic use of Twitter. Um, little uh, bombshell to drop on Sean, who I know will be listening. Uh, I've told him to listen out. I've played my free hit on him for Fantasy League. <laughs> you dirtbag. Second person in a week to drop one on him. <laughs> Hopefully uh, I get the better of it today and then uh, next week as well. But unless there's anything you want to add, we'll uh, sit down and watch your second half. No, let's see uh, which of these two can fuck each other up. Yeah. <laughs> so thanks again for listening to another edition of the Spitballing Pod. We'll be back next week, maybe with more people if Alex can spare time for us, maybe not. And uh, give us a like, share, repost and all that business. I've said it a thousand times on uh, iTunes and SoundCloud. Thank you. Goodbye.